0: Hello, and thank you for joining me on the second series of Growing Through Dance podcast. I hope you're excited to listen to the second part of the inspirational interview with the amazing Carrie Anne Ennui, the choreography creator of the musical Six and resident choreographer on the West End production of Hamilton. We continue with her experiences of 2020, COVID, her thoughts for the future. And many nuggets of advice to would-be dancers. What happened to you in the COVID year?
1: Uh, uh, Keeping it within the theme, it's, it's all pretty dramatic, I guess, because at the start of 2020, I'd gone over to New York because our US company of six had already been up and running for a year. They'd done a bit of a US tour. And we'd got the green light that we were going to be you know, officially moving onto Broadway, which of course we were all ecstatic about. Mm -hmm. So much like I mentioned before, I went over and we had three weeks to kind of glam the show up, I guess, and put in the changes we'd always wanted to put in. I had to come back to London in February because I already had a couple of other workshops booked for other work. And then I was always going to go back in March for the opening night with my dad, my agent, you know, one of my best mates. And we did that. So a couple of days, uh, our opening night was uh, 12th of March. So we went over on the 10th. I decided not to go and see the show on the 11th because I didn't want to freak the cast out. And I, I thought, you know, let me save it for the opening night. Uh, the 12th of March came and, you know, got up, obviously really excited. I treated myself to a hair and makeup stylist. <laughs> um, he was there uh, in the afternoon getting ready because we were due to, uh, the curtain was due to go up at 6.30. And my agent got a call at about three thirty, four o'clock. As my makeup was being done, I could hear David's voice change. And I just thought, it's not happening it's not happening and he came back in and he just he looked at me almost crying and he just went I'm so sorry love and I was like he said the mayor had mayor governor forget what the right term is for New York. It mayor
0: New York isn't right? it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, the mayor has stated that the theatres will all go dark after matinees today so like that the rug was just yeah. ripped away
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and of course my, my heart sank but what do you do? And I think even then you just didn't, COVID, the word COVID had been bubbling around, but no one had, or at least I didn't have any idea
0: mm-hmm.
1: of how severe this was going to be. I was upset for a second. And then I was like, right, well, no, we're going to go out anyway. And we are going to celebrate how far we've come.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's what we all did with with all the people that had come over with us. You know, We went our separate ways and then we joined together at the end of the night. And New York was dead. It was absolutely like a ghost town. And I, I tried to get mine and my dad's flights changed because then worry comes in, right? You're like, oh my gosh, should we, if they've closed down theatres, are they going to start closing?
0: Yeah. Can we get home? Yeah,
1: yeah closing borders. Are we going to get back? Anyway, we couldn't change our flights. So I said, right, dad, whilst we're here, let's make the most of it. But obviously then all the tourist attractions got closed down. So the only thing that was open was like, I think the Empire State Building lots of restaurants shut. Again, it just got more and more tumbleweed. It was it was quite spooky. So we came back to London on the 15th of March, and I was due in rehearsals for a play I was doing with Nadia Fall, Welcome to Iran, on the Monday. And she, bless her, said to me, come in at about 11, give yourself like an extra hour just for the time difference and whatever. And I came in and everybody was sat round a table going... Well, if we do, if, you know, if this does stop, what could we do? Could we do this online? Could And this was before Zoom became the thing that it yeah. was. And I was like, I, I came in, I was like, what's everybody talking about? And they're like, well, we're just talking about the fact of if if we have to take rehearsals elsewhere or if rehearsals get stopped here. So that was that day. We did a bit of work. Everybody w- suddenly started sanitizing like crazy and, mm. and, you know, just get very, um aware and then that night I went to Hamilton I was about to go and do my show watch I turned up uh, I was just kind of full steam in because I was aware that I was running from rehearsals to the show and I saw one of the cast members outside she was like Carrie 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 and I was like oh are you why are you guys not warming up and she went have you not heard and I was like no she went the government have and I'm putting my inverted commas here advised people to mm. not go to theater. We're not doing the show tonight. And this was before the official
0: Lockdown. theater
1: closed. Mm-hmm. This was just the advising. So I walked in and I was like, how is my whole world? And I'm just saying, Mike, cause I'm only talking from my point of view, but how has my whole world changed in five days? Like how, how is something that powerful able to like, I just couldn't comprehend it. And I went home, spoke to David and, and everyone was a bit like, "Oh, are we back tomorrow? Are we coming to work?" And then it soon became evident that, you know, the emails, the phone calls, the messages started coming in of going, "We're just going to have to put the brakes on for a minute. We'll we'll keep you up to date as soon as we know what on earth is going on." Um, but of course, nobody. Th- those first two weeks for Theatreland was so in limbo so even though you know someone said to me the other day oh yeah we're a year in aren't we now and I went well my official year was like (laughs) back on the 16th of March because all the creative arts got shut down before real life did Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so it, it there was definitely two weeks of me not knowing what the hell to do with myself I'd been on a treadmill for a very long time and it was very weird for that treadmill to just stop and literally not even slow down but just stop I slept, I had time with the dog. And then within about two days, I was like, I need to do something. And I'd signed up to like a music theory course. I'd got like Duolingo downloaded on my on my phone to do my languages. And I was like, I'd created lists. And I was like, oh my God, you can't actually not do anything. Mm-hmm. So that became very evident. But then once everybody just went, well, do we shift online? Like what is the right thing to do here? Once people did that, it then just basically the, luckily the teaching offers came in, but actually so many then started to ripple in that I got full time again from basically the April to the summer. And it was kind of like, I mean, I'd sometimes be on Zoom from like 8 a.m. till 10 p.m., you know? Oh, yeah. And I kind of burnt myself out a bit because you, I'm sure you'd agree when you're a self-employed person, you just always are going, I, I did want to slightly indulge and I don't mean this en- with any disrespect to anyone that has suffered badly through COVID. But I did want to indulge slightly in the fact that I didn't have to, I was choosing to work.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And I, sh- you know, I, I'm i like, you do have to take some time for you too.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I think the self-employed part of me just shouted a bit louder. And I did kind of burn myself out a bit. And I went back to Guernsey um, because luckily they were COVID free over there. So I had to obviously do an isolation period take a test but I essentially had two months of normal life oh. which I'm incredibly grateful for because I got to see friends I got to go out and eat I got to you know there was no masks no social distancing because there didn't need to be mm-hmm. um, and that was really needed at that point and literally the I came back on the I think the 30th of October and I just I was I was really tentative about coming back I just thought I was coming back for six rehearsals, but I was like, I just feel like something's going to happen. And Sod's Law, it was, I came back on a Friday and that was when Boris moved that announcement from the Monday to the Saturday because something had leaked about that second lockdown. And I woke up and my friend from Guernsey had sent me this clip of, um, or this image of, um, I don't know, the Times or something going, you know, second national lockdown. And I just went, of course. Of course the second I get back <laughs> um, and that obviously affected rehearsals for six so they were shifted once again but then we were lucky enough to obviously get back up and running for the lyric in December but then you know just for that week before tier three hit again in London so I literally feel like I'm a learner driver and we're just kangaroo hopping through yes. <laughs> you know this period at the moment but do you know what I'm healthy I have been able to earn money. I've been able to, like I said, spe- you know, spend time with this, you know, fluffy dog on my lap. Um, and as much as I, I'm not going to lie, of course, I've had ups and downs. We're all human. You know, there, there are days where you're just like, crikey, this is this really is a thing. But also, I just I don't like wallowing in that. I prefer to try and see what the positive outcome will be that's where I've just tried to kind of base myself. And and I think more importantly as well is just taking each week as it comes because the goalposts have just been constantly shifting. And for me, if I if I think too far ahead and then those things change and those things change and those things change, it just gets really exhausting. So I just stopped trying to think like that and just went, let's just see what happens week for week.
0: That's really interesting because you um, come over with a very, very positive attitude to life generally. And I just wonder if that has any link to you being a dancer, as opposed to being a bank manager?
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, there was just always something about dance that felt like home. It just felt like the place that I was meant to be. I was always at my happiest there. I was always just, I'm, I'm quite a competitive person. I'm very competitive with myself. I always wanted more. I always wanted better and yeah i just i mean trust me i've done, i've done waitressing i've done bar work i've done office work i've done you know childcare i've d- i've done loads of different jobs but they were always to fuel that love of yeah. what i really wanted to do and someone asked me that on um on a podcast i did the other day of you know was there ever any any doubt in your mind that this wasn't going to be the thing that you were going to do and i was like no they just, they were, For me, there was no other option. And it used to drive me mad when people would go, oh, yeah, but what's your backup
0: option? Oh, yeah. But what's
1: your backup <laughs> option? And I, and I understand that. Don't get me wrong. I know it's people looking out for you because they don't want to see you struggle. But I'm like, what's wrong with this being my only option and the thing that I really want to do? Because if I put my all into it and if I remain determined and if I, you know, I, I didn't even have to actually think about being determined because it was the thing that I wanted to do and I think if you I say this often to college students like if there's any doubt in your mind or if it of course it's going to sometimes be hard to get up in the morning because you're tired and your body hurts and all the rest of it but if at any point you're not enjoying it it's possibly not the right career choice for you because it really is such a love and i I'm, and and I'm better now definitely thinking it more thinking of it more as my career and the thing that I earn money from. And, you know, so many dancers and creative artists I know are very, we've always been rubbish at talking about money. Whereas now I'll be like, yep, that's my rate. And this is this. And is it because, you know, what am I going to pay my rent on experience? No, no, I'm not. We've trained for this as much as an accountant has trained for their exams or a painter and decorator is trained to do their trade. So, um, yeah, it took me longer than I than I'd hoped to kind of like be comfortable with talking about that. But I just think to anyone listening who is, is maybe at that point or thinking of making it a profession is to never, never apologize for that, because you have put the hours in, you have put the money in. This is your job. It might be a passion, but you want to earn money from that passion and and, and never be afraid to what is the fee if someone hasn't asked for it? And I think if you always do things politely and respectfully, you know, what can what can someone come back and say? My advice to the youngers out there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask you, what's your advice to would-be dancers? And, and maybe um, also those who might want to return to dance. As adults, we sometimes take up different hobbies and mm-hmm. dance seems to be getting more and more popular but also there's also this am I going to be able to actually manage to physically do it kind of attitude out there with adults is there anything you can sort of say that would put their minds at rest
1: it's I think it's being very clear on what you want I've always wanted a little bit of everything I love acting I love dancing I love all types of dancing I love choreographing I love directing I love what all elements make up a theatrical production therefore I'd hope that I can stem into creative directing and I know that's a lot of things but they're things that all interest me um, I'm also very aware of what my strengths are and what are the things I need to work on I don't like saying the word weaknesses because I, I just don't like that word I think yeah. we have all got things that we are strong at and things that we that's know right. potentially need some more development I would just say I, I, I run by sort of like these three words, uh, inspiration, determination, admiration. So I think you have to be inspired to do what you do, right? Like you said, right at the beginning of the of the podcast, what inspired you to start dance? Because if, if you forget where the inspiration comes from or why you're doing the thing that you're doing, you're very quickly going to fall out of love with it. Mm. The determination side for me is that... This is a business that is full of knockbacks, probably more so than any other industry. I started seeing no's as not yet's. Um, I started trying to ask for more feedback. Um, I would try and just do more investigation into who I was auditioning for, what kind of people they were taking on. Um, and that was hard to them because it wasn't, you know, the Internet wasn't as as, you know, available as mm-hmm. it is now. I would try and do a lot of that and keep you know keep determined with myself as well and have have those days where i knew okay you know you have those days where you're falling off your turns or you just can't retain that choreo or you know you just can't retain those lines whatever it is but just knowing that that's okay that's a that's a day of this happening but let's let's try and make sure that that doesn't repeat itself mm. and then i think admiration is is twofold it, it or even more so Admiring your peers that you're around doing this and and not, it's good to have healthy competition, but I think when that turns into bitterness, it's a very, very slippery slope. Admiring the people that teach you yes we have some teachers that you may be warm to more than others but every teacher can teach you something even if he, even if it's teaching you how you maybe wouldn't do something yeah every teacher can teach you something um and admiring and respecting how far you've come at any given point because like i said i think it it's very i i'm very much always looking for that next step of the ladder but again someone said to me the other day do you did you ever look you know have you ever looked back and gone oh my gosh like you know, you've, you've got a Broadway show, mm-hmm. for example, and I'm like, I, I'm very rubbish at doing that for me, because to me, it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But it's like, how can I make it better? Or how can do you know what I mean? And that's where my brain next jumps to. And actually, I know I need to be better at going, do you know what, Carrie, actually, take a second to take that in, because... Who would have thought when you were dancing around in that church hall at two and a half years old that one day you would have your choreography on Broadway like it mm-hmm. wasn't even in like on your radar, so I think that's super important on a logistical side. I would just be very aware of um and I wish they would teach this more at school in general and also at dance colleges is just how you manage your money how you um you know logistically find work and manage your finances and look after yourself. I'm sort of mentoring a couple of people at the moment. And that's one thing I keep saying is like, okay, I need to know, you know, have you put in this month what you're earning and then what expenses are coming out and what kind of money you've got to play with there for, for class or, you know, do you take as much class this term? Or is there a training program next month that would be better to save that money for, or, you know, things like that. Um, And I'd say if you were a returning dancer that, Often, yes, of course, much like footballers, you know, you get to your 30s and and suddenly dancers are kind of like on the scrap heap. But I I honestly think it's how you look after yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I know to a certain point now I could do a show, but it would really depend on the physicality of that show because I am in quite a bit of pain with certain injuries. Doesn't mean I still wouldn't want to do it. It's just depending on what is required from me. And I think if you have, you know, if you look after yourself um, body-wise and try and, you know, really maintain what you can do, then I don't see why the door should just automatically shut at 34, 35, 36, or even 40. You know, I know performers that are above 40 that are, are still working. And obviously, sometimes you then go into other roles that require someone to be of that age because they need a maturity with the role. And... You know, I just, I just think if it's what you want to do, then, you know, what, you're just going to sit around thinking about it. That's not going to do it for you. Go out and do it. Go out and grab it. Regardless of what the outcome then is, at least you can say you tried that. But if you don't, then, you know, a few years down the line, it'd be, I wish I had. And I don't, I don't wish to be saying that. I wish to be reminiscing on the fact that I I tried, tried it might not (laughs) work, but I tried it. I tried it and had a good laugh doing
0: it. Just saying about the financial stuff for schools, but I, I was also just wondering whether you think that dance and performing arts should be in general school life or not. What's your thought about oh it?
1: Oh, my God, yes. A hundred percent. Because I think that so many people get so much benefit out of being creative, even if they don't realise. When you think about the amount of people that be on the phone and they'll doodle Or playing a game and they see a move on Fortnite and they want to copy it. Or um, a person that, you know, for whatever reason, picks up a paintbrush or a graffiti can or something and just starts, like, drawing something. It's expression. And we can't express through maths. We can't express through... They're they're facts. And they're facts that, of course, I'm not saying we don't need to, to know those things incredibly um horrific is quite a strong word but I, I just think it's incredibly naive to think that creative arts can't help somebody and even if they don't pursue it as a career I just think like I said so many kids now or teenagers now i mean this holding up my phone this is the way people communicate right they very rarely have this face-to-face communication and especially after this year all their face-to-face communication has still been through a screen i think it's so important for them to have an outlet for how they're feeling whether that's dance whether that's music whether that's rapping whether that's singing whether that's a paintbrush whatever it is i just think it it's vital it's so so vital To cut that out of schools, I I just think is ludicrous. I really do.
0: I totally agree with you. It's a real worry that a lot of dance teacher friends I have teaching in in general education, their courses are being cut especially after this year. So, Karen, this has been absolutely amazing. I want to just finish up by sort of looking to the future, really. I know it's like the $64,000 question at the moment because (laughs) of COVID, but what, in an ideal world, got on the agenda? Where do you see yourself going with this at the moment?
1: Um, Well, obviously, first and foremost, we're hoping that all the theatre gets back up and running so that I can be working back on the shows that um, were going prior to COVID. There's some upcoming work both at National Theatre and Birmingham Rep that were slightly delayed and postponed because of Covid and will hopefully be happening in, hang on, what are we? We're 2021 now aren't we? So 2022. I still feel like we're 2020 because that year just kind of didn't happen. (laughs) Um, In terms of me, I, I definitely want to look and expand these ideas that I've had during COVID some of which are creative um, and might fall into more of the realms of sort of just film projects as in filming projects not a film writing projects my own theatre project um, also quite a few like sort of educational things that I'd like to do Um, I feel like my brain is a bit of an alphabet soup at the moment. And there's loads of things kind of floating around. And I just need to actually get the letters out and start making words with them. Yeah, a lot of things like that coming up. And I think, again, this, if nothing else, this year has taught me like, we'll just go for it. Because all someone can do is say no or not yet. But if I don't go for it, I'm going to be kicking myself that I never did. Or I'll I'll just find that in five years, I'm still saying the same things that I was saying five years ago of like, oh, I'd really like to try this. And I'd really like to try that. I found an interview the other day where I was saying about wanting to do my own work. And I was just like, Carrie, come on. That was five years ago. So, yeah, I'm hoping that the future is bright, not just for me, but for all of us and that everybody Listening if they're if there are people that want to go into the performing arts that they have lots of avenues that they can go down to.
0: Thank you very much. This has been such a pleasure hearing all about this. Thank you very much for doing this, Carrie. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed the episode, please remember to follow, subscribe and share your experience. Growing through dance is now on all major platforms and being heard in over 50 countries. So thank you all for your support. It does mean a lot. Let me know what else you'd like to hear. Contact me via Instagram at Growing Through Dance Pod or like the new Facebook group Growing Through Dance Podcasts for regular updates, dance growth advice, industry news and general dance discussion. Many thanks, your host, Catherine Lucy.